voice of the world The sound with the beat The sound that sets you tapping your feet Radio, the sound of year-round pleasure The sound of the news, rhythm and blues Tchaikovsky swing, whatever you choose Radio, the sound of year-round pleasure Welcome to All Things Radio, your weekly radio magazine with radio news from a national perspective, call letter and format changes, sports news, featured radio stations from yesterday and today, your voicemails and phone calls, as well as special guests and featured segments. And now here's your host, Bill Sparks. Educate, syncopate, radio communicate, radio, the sound of year-round pleasure. Well, hello and welcome to All Things Radio 707. I like that number for some reason. And this is, what, January 19th, 2024. 18th? 18th? Yep. Is it the 18th today? Okay. Yesterday was the 17th. I get my dates mixed up sometimes. But <laughs> That's because you're on the air every day. Well, every day I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but anyway, I've got my nice boom bike mic tonight. I can't even talk. But we've got it. We're ready to go and turn it over to Jeff. All right. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody, and welcome to All Things Radio 707. I like that, 707. First of all, we'll start things off with our radio news from a national perspective. And we'll follow that up with Jennifer Sparks' call letter and format changes. Next up, Bill has found a feature on the career of Nick Saban, a renowned football coach who's retiring his coaching position, or who's been coaching for 50 years, and he's retiring from the Crimson Tide in Alabama. Next up, we remember Jim Carson, who was a famous radio announcer serving in the West Coast, working at at, uh, a number of different stations. We have him working at KGBAM in San Diego, California, from November 9th, 1968, he passed away a few weeks ago at the age of 78. Finally, we're going to listen to a channel that I like to listen to on, on XM Radio. It's Channel 6. It's called Pop Rocks, Alternative Memories from the 90s and 2000s. Sean, you may actually like this channel. I think you might like this channel. And we get to hear Karen Carson, who also works at WNEWAM in, I mean, FM in New York City. So all in all, I think we have a pretty good show. And I'll turn it over to Bill, who can hobnob with Bernie. For just a few seconds... Bernie, I do have one news story for you from Indy. And how I found this was going through my Ted to hook back my phone back into Facebook because I'd been hacked again. I get hacked more than... Oh! Yeah. You know, how that goes. Wow. Uh, being I'm hacked, just going to say it. I've never been hacked. No. What can I tell you? But anyway, I was I'm hacked. there. Yeah, I'm I'm not there too often, but this does have a local note, and I've met this guy two or three times, and I saw this on Facebook. You know WNAP we talk about from time to time, which used to be um, in 93.1, and of course, and now... Marty Hensley's brought it back along with some of his friends, Bob Hawkins and several other DJs. Well, Marty was asking for some contributions, and I guess Marty had to go into the hospital today, and they're amputating his left leg. That's pretty drastic. Oh, wow. Yeah, it happened already. That oh, already happened. Yeah, yeah I, a couple of days ago. Yeah. 
I mean, that's pretty drastic. That's pretty sad. It really is. You know, it just goes to show you seriously what diabetes can do. And I remember him being much younger, him having problems even with insulin and stuff back then. So, you know, it's just too bad. But, you know, he was talking about that radio station and they have to pay for all these tower sites and rentals and this, that, and the other. The smallest part of the thing that they pay for is streaming from Live 365. And, but, you know, we wish Marty all the, the best because Marty's worked at what? WLW, didn't he actually, maybe he was part of the sign-on staff, was he Chuck Larson back in those Where? days? Oh, on WNS? Yes. Is that what you mean? Yes, he was. He was. He was. Chuck Larson. Back in those days, he worked yeah. at WLW. He worked all around. Owns a. What did he do? No, he just didn't. He just do like a shift at WLW one time. One, maybe just once. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And Bob Hawkins did that same thing. Yeah, but he's, he's just in one shift. But. Uh, Jeff, you would like this. Marty's was big. I don't know if he still is, but was big into ham radio. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yes. And those, you know, guys were, I guess, Marty later morphed into an engineer. I think he did the same thing that yes. uh, uh, Bob did. Did he ever Bob work? Hawkins is doing. Did he ever work for you at... Um, W-E-N-S, or, I mean, besides being on the air, was he even an no, engineer? No, he was never an engineer there. No. And and I, I know that this doesn't really apply to too many people, but, you know, we've talked about WNAP a little bit before, and it's one of those legendary radio stations that someday, and I know Jeff has uh, at least one air check. I have them. at least two of them, actually. It, it, it'll be fun to talk about them because... The thing is, they uh, Marty Hensley and Bob Hawkins have recreated them uh, as best they can, and and the old WNAP guys who used to be on the air on WNAP are angry, just beyond belief, hmm. about this. And and for a while, I kind of was on their side, and then I thought about it, and I thought, wait a minute, you guys aren't doing it. Um, nobody else is doing it, and the truth is. You can't go home again. And so right. Marty, Marty and Bob are just recreating it and, and playing the music and playing the jingles and having fun with it. And I, I just don't see anything wrong with it, and I don't see anything bad about it. Anymore. What is the problem? Well, I mean, there's, I a guy, the th- there's a guy that recreate, recreates WFIL. He puts up old WFIL air checks on the site, and it's called Famous 56, and he has a live stream on the Internet. Said there's another guy who does a, does the same kind of thing with uh, W uh, with uh, Quixie and Dick and uh, with uh, what's the one? Wixie. In, oh, that's in, right. The, yeah. the Wixie, Wixie, in, Wixie, Wixie, Wixie in, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Right. And so, and then of course you've got Alan Sniffen who does Rewound Radio, which represent which replicates the sound of WABC in New York City. And there used to be mm-hmm. a guy that did our WRKO until he passed away a number of years ago. So I mean, there are a lot of people doing this kind of thing. 
Yeah, and of course, Larry yeah, Justice right. owns WMX. Now, he's one of the guys. You know, he was there. So maybe people don't feel as, you know, the alumni don't feel as upset about him because he was there as part of well, 65 on. You know, maybe that's party, part of it. Well, he was on WNAP okay. at one time, too. So that's, you know. But, okay, then. But I yeah. think they're just, you know, they just don't like the fact that someone, and I don't know why they would dislike it because it's kind of keeping a memory alive. Yeah. You know, exactly. the right. stations and, are good. But see, the thing is, I was right along with them for a while. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's, that sucks that they do that. Why would they? And I'm like, well, one day I'm listening to it, and I'm like, for an hour, and I'm like, they haven't played a bad song this whole hour. There you <laughs> go. And, and the jingles are, jingles are cool, and, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I don't know. I just, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't love it. Uh, and, and I wish they had a, a couple of the guys who used to be on it, besides just Marty Hensley, but... It's not bad. It's it's really not bad. I mean, what is it breaking the law? No. The, the, no, no, not at all. No. Not a bit. I mean, nope. do you know, you would almost think they would be glad that somebody was carrying on the tradition. Exactly. Otherwise, it's going to be silent. Nobody's going to hear it. And right. I think it goes a little deep. Well, it may be that that they disagree with, but I think there's other issues. And, uh, you know, it's just too bad because, you know, they just have fun with it. If it wasn't them doing it, it might be somebody else doing it if they thought oh, yeah. about it. It's not as if they're making any money doing it. No, they well, don't make any money. They just get PayPal donations. They don't go out and sell a lot of... Um, ads or anything like that at all. I, To be quite honest with you, I don't know how they've made it this long. If you listen to all those bills and things they have to pay, I don't know how they've made it this long. So, I mean, nobody else is wanting to to do the streaming or to have the towers or maintain the transmitters. Or do that stuff. So why not? Mm-hmm. Let it go. And I think it's going to be short-lived anyway. If I some, do If something would happen to Marty, you know, then unless somebody else just wanted to pick it up. And why not? Why, they wouldn't say anything probably if somebody tried to recreate the old WIBC or something like that. You know, I mean, it's just life. No, I go. think part of it is part of it is part of it is they don't like Marty Hensley. Like, that's it. You know. That's the bottom line. That's the that's what yeah, I was trying yeah. to say. There was other issues. That that's he's he's an easy guy not to like, but that's you know I'm I'm over that now. I'm beyond that. You know, would you would you want to trade in positions and health wise? No. No, no way. No way. No, thank you. No, thank you. You know what I mean? So just be I'll think- stick with the blindness. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I will say, meeting him in person the several times that I did, he was very respectful and very nice. Of course, it didn't help that I didn't. I gave him a little, some donations for his, what he was doing at the time, but still. He was very professional and very nice. But so was Bob Hawkins, though, too, as far as that goes. But, you know. Yeah, Bob's a good guy, though. 
Talking about Bob Hawkins, he puts a lot of he has put up a lot of stuff on YouTube to uh, to to, to uh, give us a history of what what Indiana or what radio was like in the Midwest. Right. Anybody that can put together a recording of WSLM. <laughs> 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 I remember I, that. What can I tell you? He can't be all that bad. Used to be this place we used to go to. They used to have a thing every Friday or something at Skyline Chili or one of those places. They still do. Or we'd get together yeah, every once in a while at the Ponderosa. And it wasn't bad at all. So it was good. But we better get to Jeff's news or he's going to make me history. <laughs> Don't let him tell you who really runs the show here. So, anyway, Jeff's award-winning news is next. I'm Jeff Bennett for All Things Radio, and here's what's happening in the world of broadcasting. Odyssey makes organizational changes and sells its Phoenix, Arizona studios. And Soundscript Media silences poor performing radio stations. We'll let you know what's happening on the street and conclude our look at the Nielsen December personal people meter ratings. It was yet another busy week this week in the world of broadcasting, and financial worries continue to plague the radio industry. Let's take a look at Odyssey, who's going through a prepackaged bankruptcy proceeding. Odyssey is also making moves to save money by realigning its market managers and selling their radio real estate in Phoenix, Arizona. Here are the details. Odyssey has made some leadership changes which will make their market managers even busier. Doug Abernathy, regional vice president for the company, will now be in charge of Odyssey's four radio station cluster in Austin, Texas. He'll also handle the oversight of Odyssey stations in Atlanta, Charlotte, Denver, Greensboro, Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Kansas City, Las Vegas, Norfolk, Phoenix, Portland, Richmond, Sacramento, San Francisco, Seattle, St. Louis, and Wichita. Bob McKay, former senior vice president and market manager in Austin, Texas, will be moving to Dallas, Texas as vice president of sales. Dan Barron, Memphis vice president and market manager, will be moving to New Orleans in the same role as well. Odyssey has also made managerial changes at its hip-hop and R&B formatted radio stations. Skip Dillard, brand manager for Odyssey's New York radio station WA, XPKFM, with its classic hip-hop format, will now oversee adult R&B and throwback formats as well. Mike Street, brand manager for their Richmond property, will also be format captain for their R&B and hip-hop formatted radio stations. Odyssey is also selling its real estate property, holding the studios of its radio stations in Phoenix, Arizona, for $10.5 million to a real estate development firm. In other news, Town Square Media is shutting down underperforming radio stations to save money. In Quebec, Washington, Town Square Media is shutting down radio station Cool FM 97.5. KOLWFM. In an FCC filing, Town Square Media says that running this radio station is not economically viable at this time. Town Square Media has also shut down radio stations in Flint, Michigan, Trenton, New Jersey, and upstate New York. All for the same reason. In upstate New York, say goodbye to WDHIFM, WTPDFM, and WIYNFM. In Trenton, New Jersey, say goodbye to radio station WNJEAM, transmitting a frequency of 920 with their all sports format. And in Flint, Michigan, say goodbye to radio station WFNTAM with their conservative talk format. Now it's time to take a quick look and find out what's happening on the street. In Tampa, Florida, iHeartMedia has said so long to the Spanish talk format heard on radio station WHNZ AM. The station is going back to what it was before the Spanish talk format, Impact Radio. The station will be using the syndicated talk programming from Premier Radio and Bloomberg Radio. In Portland, Oregon, Alpha Media has hired Tim Richards to program their country radio station, KUPLFM. Tim Richards comes to this radio station after spending many years programming radio stations for iHeartMedia 
and Odyssey in Phoenix, Arizona. Mike Murphy is the new general manager for the Salem Properties in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Nick Anderson, former station manager for the Minneapolis Properties, has been promoted to vice president of government relations for Salem Media. With the retirement of Rick O'Dell as program director of radio station WRMELD in Chicago, Illinois, MeTVFM, a new program director had to be found, and they found one. His name is Phil Manicki, and he comes to this radio station after spending over 20 years working at classic rock radio station WDRVF in Chicago, Illinois. Finally, iHeartMedia has changed the radio landscape in Fort Myers, Florida. The station is now broadcasting a Spanish gold-based adult contemporary format, Magic 100.1, mirroring the gold-based adult contemporary format in Spanish that we featured from Miami, Florida a few weeks ago. Now it's time to conclude our look at the Nielsen December Personal People Meter Ratings. In Charlotte, North Carolina, the number one rank radio station is WKQC-FM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rank radio station is WBAV-FM with an urban format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Charlotte, North Carolina, is WLKOFM with an adult hits format. In Portland, Oregon, the number one rec radio station is KKCWFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rec radio station is KOPBFM, that's the public radio station with a news talk format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Portland, Oregon, is KLTHFM with a classic hits format. In San Antonio, Texas, the number one rank radio station is KQXT-FM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rank radio station is KO10-FM with a classic hits format. Finally, the number three rank radio station in San Antonio, Texas is KCYY-FM with a country format. In Salt Lake City, Utah, the number one rank radio station is KSFI-FM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rank radio station is KRSP-FM with a classic rock format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Salt Lake City, Utah, is KSLAM with a news talk format. In Sacramento, California, the number one rec radio station is KYMXFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rec radio station is KSEGFM with a classic rock format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Sacramento, California, is KFBKAM with the news talk format. In Orlando, Florida, the number one rec radio station is WMGFFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rec radio station is WCFBFM with an urban format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Orlando, Florida, is WOCLFM with a classic hits format. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the number one rec radio station is WWSWFM with a classic hits format. The number two rec radio station is WDVEFM with a classic Classic rock format. Finally, the number three rack radio station in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is WSHHFM with an adult contemporary format. In Las Vegas, Nevada, the number one rack radio station is KSNDFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rack radio station is KKLZFM with a classic its format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Las Vegas, Nevada, is KWID-FM with a regional Mexican format. In Cincinnati, Ohio, the number one rec radio station is WLWAM with a news talk format. The number two rec radio station is WGRR-FM with a classic hits format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio, is WRRM-FM with an adult contemporary format. In Kansas City, Missouri, the number one rec radio station is KCFX-FM with a classic rock format. The number two rec radio station is KCMO-FM with a classic hits format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Kansas City, Missouri is KCKC-FM with an adult contemporary format. In Cleveland, Ohio, the number one rec radio station is WNCX-FM with a classic rock format. The number two rec radio station is WHLK-FM with an adult hits format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Cleveland, Ohio is WMJI-FM with a classic hits format. Finally, in Columbus, Ohio, the number one rec radio station is WODC-FM with a classic hits format. The number two rec radio station is WBNS-FM with an all-sports format.
Finally, the number three rec radio station in Columbus, Ohio, is WCOLFM with the country format. Finally, let's congratulate iHeartMedia, who today, January 18th, is celebrating 30 years of Top 40 at their radio station, WIOQFM, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you have any comments concerning this portion of the podcast, there are many ways you can get in touch with me. First of all, you can send me an email. My email address is Jeff. That's J-E-F-F Jeff at allthingsradio.net. Or you can send me a voicemail with our feedback line. The phone number is 800 693 30595. That's 800 0595 and hit option two for the podcast team. For all things radio, I'm Jeff Bennett. Thank you very much, Jeff. Oh, no problem, Bill. The only thing I was concerned about is Town Square Media. You don't see, a, and that's not, well, it's not a large, large, one of the largest companies. It does own a number of radio stations throughout the United States, and turning off radio stations that don't perform is something that you don't you see that with small companies and medium-sized companies maybe but you don't yeah. see that happen with a lot of large companies and I'm, I'm hoping that's not going to be a trend but i have a feeling it's going to be it's going to be more widespread this year than you think so uh, this is only the tip of the iceberg actually fm stations well they are oh, yeah. fm stations except for the one in trenton new yeah. jersey and the one in flint michigan those were all fm stations now the one in trenton new jersey you know, guaranteed it's on 920. They don't get many listeners. They were running uh, ESPN uh, or, you know, or just satellite or basically yeah. they didn't have any local programming and neither did any of the other stations that we were, we were talking about as well. But it's still, wow. to turn off a radio station, you know, they, they have to they have to notify the FCC so that they, they haven't turned their licenses in. They're asking to keep them viable for a while, but ultimately the, the stations that get turned off may never get turned back on again. That's the... Uh, and then... Uh, and when the, with the FM stations, they you don't just you know you don't just get a license. You got to bid for a license, and they all go up for auctions. So it's a complicated price pro- prospect of getting a license for a radio station these days. Uh, how about ninety eight point seven? What's happening with them in New York? They they are they have until um, I believe it's the end of the end of the uh, end of almost to the end of twenty twenty four. They are still owned and operated by Amos. They're technically owned and operated by Amos, but they're being run under a local market agreement by by uh the the, the people who own ESPN on ten fifty. Good karma. Good karma. Good karma. Yes, thank you, Sean. Good karma. And so mm-hmm. that that they'll be but ultimately Jeff is going to sell that radio station and I don't know what's gonna happen with the AM station that he has, which is still also owned and operated by Amos. That's W L I B AM on on eleven ninety. I don't know that there'll be a radio station that when they sell that radio station that the new station will continue sports talk on FM. ESPN or ninety eight seven doesn't do well in the ratings and they they, they certainly can't hold a candle to WFAN AM and AM and FM in New York City. Uh-huh. Well, you figure most cities have a couple of sports stations, so if they don't do it, maybe somebody on AM will. I mean, there's teams that need need an outlet, too, and uh, that they have. So, you know, the Jets and the you know the Rangers and Knicks. So they've got, there's got to be something done to keep those teams on the air, and I don't think they're going to want to go the way of the, uh, of the uh, New Jersey Devils and just be online or anything. So I think, that, you know, not Madison Square Garden. So they'll they'll have to work something out. Uh, there'll be some reshuffling if they don't keep that format. Yeah, I hear I the guy that runs WABC is trying to buy ninety eight seven. Well, there been, you go. That's now, been rumored. That's, that's been rumored for a long time, Mike. But but all the great people in the radio business say that I don't think he's going to put up that kind of money that it might be worth. I just I don't see but him buying that station at this. That point, would be Mike. a somewhat of a solution for them. That's a good. It's still a good AM signal, and they could put some stuff over there if they 
you know, if, if he wants to do that. There, there's also the, the other rumor is that, that he would like to buy WABC, I mean, W uh, uh, EPN, FM, and get rid of the talk on there and make it like a WABC oldie station that that uh, that you know, people right. would remember. Right. Uh, but again, no, none of this is true. None of this, uh, we're, these are all rumors you hear on the message Nothing's board. Been announced. Right? Yeah. So right. we really don't know at this point. Right. Right. But no, that that would work because that's a good signal, and they they could they could put stuff over there for sports. They could. But I, like I, I said, none of us know. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah. Uh, Perry, do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, about I suppose Amazon? while we're on the yeah while we're on the sports a little bit there, uh, as you know, Bill and I talk about this quite a bit in. Um, the regional sports networks that televise your uh, ball games, your NBA, NHL, and some Major League Baseball, and everybody thought, well, we'd heard a, re- you know, there wasn't going to be a deal the past couple weeks. Well, yesterday they came out of the blue and announced that Amazon was back in. They had put in about 115 million dollars to get uh, the Bally Sports channels or diamond sports is what it's technically called out of debt now what this means is that you're if you watch the games on actual tv you're fine it's not going to impact you at least not right away but if you have prime and you have amazon video um, you can then watch your games that way now as opposed to using the Bally Sports app, which a lot of people were complaining about. People so that that. Yeah. that is good news in a lot of ways. Now, there are still a few Major League Baseball teams <clears throat> who don't even have a TV contract for this year. The Rockies and the Twins are among them. Now, what I read today is that the Twins are going back to Bally to talk about maybe getting them back on, you know, on TV. And I'm sure they will. I don't think MLB... Yeah. would want there no. to be no television of their games. Does this also mean that Amazon is going to own Bally? It's going to take over the running that? No, well? no, they're just, they're investing in it. Is okay, what they're but doing. They're they're handle- they'll run the streaming. They're going to run the streaming part of it, and Diamond Sports will actually run the programming. So but that's how that'll work. To be, I guess to put it bluntly, MLB does not like the deal because MLB wanted to get the streaming rights back for themselves so that they could get rid of these blackouts that we've heard about you know for years and years and years like um probably i would guess if bill were in indiana you probably bill can't watch the reds on mlb tv or something like that you could on your regular but not on your like on mlb tv or anything like that so they were hoping that to get rid of that problem and they are still talking to diamond sports to get rid of it so we'll see what happens there's another hearing on february 1st and we should know a lot more after that you know it doesn't make sense to me if they own the majority of the company wonder why they're not taking control of it they're buying well that's what i'm concerned Uh, technically technically still diamond sports is the majority owner and Amazon yeah. is a minority investor. That's the way this is being presented. Yes, but that can also change at some point. It, it can at oh, some sure. point. That's correct. Sure. But as of today, that's how they're presenting it. I mean, we saw that with Liberty Media and, and Sirius yeah. XM. They are now a majority owner of the of, of Sirius XM. But uh, again, maybe the Justice Department. You know, they they might be afraid there might be some Justice Department and antitrust uh, maneuvering here that uh, we don't know about either. So that 
And I think that's the reason they have that they have to come back on February 1st. I think the bankruptcy judge yesterday, he, he probably wanted to review everything and read it completely through and make sure, you know, that, that it's totally above board. And the streaming will start on Prime Video the day that everything is finalized and all uh, that, that next day it will start is what they're saying. Yeah. And what it is, affects 37 teams in hockey, basketball, and baseball. Yes. What does Prime Video cost you per month? If you have Prime, uh, if you have Prime Bill, it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, I have Prime. It doesn't oh, cost no, me anything. Right. Oh, okay. right. Oh, it will cost me something if I want to watch Prime Video programming that Amazon produces with no commercials. Like that's movies. Two, like movie. That's an extra two ninety nine a month, but I'm yeah. not going to pay for that. So, no. So this could really but benefit you know, a lot. A lot of people. Go ahead, Bernie. Yeah, go ahead, Bernie. Um, a lot of people were really upset the uh, the other night when Peacock was carrying the Chiefs. <laughs> right. But they, yes, but they, they got twenty three million uh, viewers. Uh, that was the rating. The largest uh, streamed program ever, but how did did we get any more figures, uh, Sean? About like compared that to Sunday night it, over over the air? It didn't beat the over the air, but like I said, twenty three million on streaming is still a very. I think the Lions game did about thirty million, and the Dallas, you know, some of the others between twenty five, around twenty five, twenty to twenty five million, but average. But the twenty three million for a streaming that the Amazon Thursday night games got about that was twelve that million was a week average. Ever. The one thing people were complaining got, about, Bernie. Go ahead, Bernie. We got Comcast, so we got Comcast, so we were able to just watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I have I yeah. have Spectrum, and I, I believe we couldn't watch it on Spectrum. So yeah. uh, the the one thing I heard a lot of people complain about with Peacock is their video and audio were not synced correctly. Oops. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. that's never but, a good thing. But you got to remember, it was twenty-three million. But who was playing Kansas City? And of course, a lot of her people were watching. Yes, that's right. Now, now would you could you be more specific? <laughs> we inquiring minds want to know what you're trying to say. A lot, a lot of the, the Swifties. They call them oh, what are they oh. called? The Swifties. Yeah, the Swifties. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that the audience understood because not everyone yeah. necessarily yeah, yeah. might know about uh, Taylor Swift and uh, Chelsea. If um, you don't know it, you might, I, if you don't know it, I don't know where, where you've been. But it's never, <laughs> she's everywhere. That's right. About it. Her and Travis are everywhere. Yeah, she and well, Chicken Man. I, I will tell you that uh, cool. I was I was with my the, my Brenna's mom yesterday because we had a meeting to go to for school. And there's Taylor Swift on the radio, and I and I said, "Wow, there's Taylor Swift." And she says, "I like Taylor Swift, but I think I've heard enough of it. Already. Enough, enough, enough already." <laughs> you know who I'll bet we haven't heard enough of though is uh, Jennifer. No, yeah. we should hear her. No, uh, true. true. We can do that right now. All right. I think right. Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer Sparks, and here are your call letter and format changes for the week of January 18th. KQXF FM 107.3 Osceola, Arkansas changes calls to KOSE FM. KBSO FM 94.7 Corpus Christi, Texas 
changes format from country to classic hits and changes slogan from U.S. 94.7 Talk and Country to Retro 94.7 W.E.Z.Y. FM 92.7 Kewanee, Wisconsin changes calls to W.I.B.D. FM W.I.B.D. AM 1470 West Bend, Wisconsin changes calls to W.R.Y.U. AM K.K.M.T. FM 92.3 Ronan, Montana changes format from CHR to Hot AC WACM AM 1270 Springfield, Massachusetts changes format from oldies to CHR WNTC AM 790 Ashland City, Tennessee changes slogan from greatest hits of all time WNTC to Spirit WRFM FM 103.9 Drakesboro, Kentucky changes slogan from greatest hits of all time WTNC to Spirit KHG AFM 103.9 Earl, Arkansas changes calls to KERL FM. WTTC AM 1550 to Wanda, Pennsylvania changes format from CHR to Hot AC and changes slogan from Valley 107.7 to 94 Rock FM. KIXR AM 1400 Provo, Utah changes slogan from KIXR 1400 to the talk of Utah County 1400 AM WACM 1270 Springfield Massachusetts changes slogan from cool radio AM to jamming 100.1 WQTL FM 106.1 Tallahassee Florida changes slogan from cool oldies 106.1 to vibe 106.1 and those are your call letter and format changes for this week for all things radio i'm jennifer sparks wishing all of you a good week thank you very much jennifer you notice that noise in the background that was the ac running in the studio so most people using the furnace she's on the ac yeah, that's right. Uh, on. Yeah. This time it isn't comfortable anywhere. Let's put it that way. Right. If it's, if, it's too, if it's too hot somewhere, it's too cold somewhere, like here in Albany, New York, where it's way too cold. Not not too happy about that. I know it's been cold in Indiana because a friend of mine lives in Bloomington. Oh, yeah. and he said the same thing. He's not happy with this weather because it's not normally um, it, it's not normally this cold in Bloomington this time of year, even even in the winter. Nope. No, he wouldn't like that. Well, the weird thing is the. Uh, in the studio where I work now, which is a new studio, it's hot. Is I it? mean, it's too hot. <laughs> you just can't can't regulate the temperature at all. You know, pretend you're on TV. Remember how what? hot it used to be when you'd be in a TV studio. But the worst thing go. about the, the worst thing about that whole thing, Bernie, is that when it's hot like that, and you're spending an hour or maybe two hours voice tracking, you you it, you can't stay awake sometimes when it's like that. It just it just it does affect you that way. I really at least it affects me when it's really too hot. Oh, I could stay awake. Oh, I'm, okay. Not Jeff. No, <laughs> I. If it's really hot, I'll, I'll doze off, and that's that's the problem. So, but 
Hey, that happens. But Jennifer's Braille display was quieter this week because I gave her another one to use. It's real quiet. It was yours. <laughs> no, if you don't hear that click, 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 click. No, you click, don't. Oh, click, yeah. Click, 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 click. You don't hear that. I guess if you're paying attention to that, you really need to consider doing other things. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeff, are we ready for the next segment? I think so, and it's uh, and, and you you know Is you, it you sports time. Yeah, it's sports time it's, USA. It's time That's for right. you to take a nap and go get a cold. You know, we I will did not some... take a nap because it's not too hot. Right. Oh, <laughs> right. Sorry. Well, you might want one if you want to stay up for that game tonight. Huh? Oh man, let me tell you. That's right. How do you watch the games, Bernie? You're in... do you listen on on the fan or do you? I usually do SiriusXM. I do SiriusXM, yeah. but we we do have the ability to watch them. Yeah, that if the app works. <laughs> Yeah, that. It always does. It always does. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. Well, it's on the cable. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true too. True. Yeah, I get. Uh, yeah, I, I I do Sirius XM, and I know we talked about this when they were changing things over. Has anybody else had any trouble with uh, Sirius XM's new updated app? Um, I, don't think I did the first time or two. Show. But Jeff really loves it. I like it. I like. I. I think it does work. Uh, I, what I don't like is that, uh, and it's not that it's it's inaccessible. The mainstream is very very cluttered initially, and so when you sign when you open it up for, uh, from you know just starting it, um, it yeah, it, it, you have to know where things are on the screen. It's not you just can't swipe 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 and find it, and you have to kind of explore the screen. Right. But the library. But as long as you can find those three tabs, uh, which is discover, library, and search. You, you should be okay at that point. It, it, the library is very easy to use. The search is very easy to use because if you don't put anything in the search field, you can get tab to a button that, that shows you all the channels, or you can do channels by category. So if you click sports, news and sports, you'll find all those channels as well. It is. Uh, it, it Harry, you had a, an interesting thing about SiriusXM, uh, about the audio, that there's a listing on the, on, and I forget the channel now, where you can hear all the audio, what what, what the channel list is for all yeah, the channels. Yeah, on the, if you, if you have a, a, device, a home speaker, you can go to channel 795, and it'll give you a channel, it'll tell you what the channels are and where they're at and all that. So oh, channel I, guide. I did not know that until somebody put it in our streaming group. Yeah. Wow. Now there's, there's supposed to be another app that's not it's 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 run in conjunction or with in cooperation with Sirius Satellite Radio, and I don't remember the name of the app, but it's supposed to be uh, uh, people like it more than the actual Sirius app, but I just don't remember the name of that app. So if someone can tell us, let us know because there are people who do use it. We're going to be doing a oh, review. Is, yeah, go ahead. Uh, is the library uh, is the library uh, key? Just whatever you've got in, in terms of your favorites. Is that yes, what that whatever, whatever, whatever you had as your favorites, uh, even from the old app to the new app, yeah. are saved in the library. Yes, the library okay. is essentially your favorites. Okay, perfect. Okay. Makes it not too bad. I mean, it's not too bad. I mean, it, it really isn't. But it, you know, can be a little bit different. But I'm going to give it from a different perspective in a couple weeks. I did find my recorder, so I'm going to record a review of the Hymns Player 
actually in action with Sirius XM and a few other apps. So mm. not not giving a tutorial on how to use the device itself so much is just focusing on the radio apps. So it's going to drive Jeff crazy. So because <laughs> yeah, I'll be wanting one now if, after no, you if, do that. If we can get him to go to sleep. You no. know, then, then he'll like that. Speaking of putting you to slow, I tried something a little different this week. I picked up a service when I was searching around who gives a background. I mean, yeah, we could play clips of what he said back in whatever, but this is, kind of gives you an in-depth, if you really are into those types of things, of a coach that made himself into a legend, and that's why we're doing this Nick Saban. Bernie, you can tune out now if you want to, or <laughs> sit back and relax, whatever you want to do, drink another cold one, and enjoy yourself. But we're going to do this, and listen to the name of this service, and make note of it, because you're going to hear, be hearing a lot more from this sports service who really strive to put things together and give you the whole picture of something. So here we go. Chris, you might like this. This would be right up David USF category right here. Here you go. He may be the greatest coach of all time. Nick Saban went 292-71-1 and in 28 years at four different schools with seven national championships and 12 conference championships, 11 in the SEC. His 17-year tenure at Alabama included six national titles, nine SEC titles, and a 201-29 record. What made him stand out, though? Plenty of coaches are elite, but how does Saban tower over all of his peers in terms of success? Welcome into Off the Hook Sports History, everybody. I'm Caleb Calhoun. In this video, we're going to take a look back into Nick Saban's career and what made him so successful as a college football head coach. Before we dive in, though, remember to hit that like and subscribe button, ring the bell, turn the notifications on, tell a friend, and leave a comment. We're building something great here at Off the Hook Sports, and we want you to be a part of it. Now let's dive in. There are really three aspects that go into whether or not a college football coach is successful. The first is obvious, their actual on-field coaching abilities. Second is organizational skills, such as ability to recruit, hiring the right staff, attention to detail, and a focus on the little things. Third, honestly, is a little bit of luck, as it comes down to timing. Successful coaches have to be in the right place at the right time, and while Saban is certainly proficient in on-field coaching and organization, his timing has been impeccable. Let's start with Saban's coaching abilities. As we dive in, we'll hit on who Saban worked with and under to help him develop the skills he had. There were three aspects to Saban's on-field coaching that were the hallmarks of his career. He was one of the best defensive backs coach in the history of the game, he was an X's and O's genius, and in a huge rarity, he was a guru on one side of the ball while still understanding the other side. Saban, as an elite defensive backs coach, traces to his playing days. Born and raised in West Virginia, he played defensive back for Kent State from 1970 to 1972, the latter two years under future College Football Hall of Fame coach Don James, who would win a national title with Washington in 1991. 
James was actually the one who convinced Saban to go into coaching, and Saban worked under him as a grad assistant in 1973 and 74. James was a defensive back himself when he played, but he was also a quarterback, so he understood playing the position from two perspectives. As he cut his teeth in the coaching ranks, he was specifically a defensive coordinator and a defensive backs coach. So that's who Saban was learning under. As Saban developed from a position coach to a defensive coordinator to a head coach, defensive backs was always his calling card. While defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns from 1991 to 1994 under Bill Belichick, Saban invented a new form of playing defensive back called pattern matching, where defensive backs would play zone for the first part of a receiver's route, and then when the receiver broke on the route, the defender in the vicinity of the receiver's break would switch to a man coverage on him. This was a way to counter the pass-happy offenses of division rivals, the Houston Oilers and Pittsburgh Steelers, who had more of a vertical passing attack than the West Coast offenses of the 1980s, which the Cover 2, a defense Saban was a disciple of, was designed to counter. While the Cover 2 could take away the crossing and underneath routes, the pattern matching style took away the short and deep passes and could change the defense from Cover 1 to Cover 3 on the fly. This secret weapon allowed Saban to dramatically overachieve while head coach at Michigan State and even early on at LSU before it became mainstream. It also helped Belichick and the New England Patriots produce legendary defenses as they won their first three Super Bowls under Tom Brady. This is because the defensive back's new style allowed them more leeway to be aggressive with their linebackers, which can explain why they ran 3-4 defenses and oftentimes had elite edge rushers. But there were numerous aspects of the game that made Saban great before he discovered pattern matching. After all, when Belichick hired him, he had already won a MAC championship with the 9-2 record at Toledo in 1990, his first and only year as a college football head coach to that point. So what other schematic advantages did he come up with to build his profile? Well, beyond a deep understanding of coaching defensive backs, Saban understood how to disguise coverages more than most. He was a disciple of the cover too, as we mentioned, but he kept it multiple and complex. That was rooted in him expanding his versatility by coaching linebackers at Kent State in 1975 and 76, and then at Syracuse in 77. Mostly though, it stems from his two years as defensive backs coach at West Virginia in 78 and 79, and not because of what he did at WVU. During that time, he would routinely make the short drive from Morgantown to Pittsburgh to learn about the Steelers' defense. The franchise under Chuck Knoll was in the midst of a dynasty in which they won four Super Bowls in the 1970s behind what was known as their Steel Curtain, led by Mean Joe Green. With coaches like George Pearls and Woody Woodenhofer, Pittsburgh was running a precursor to the Tampa 2 that Tony Dungy and Monty Kiffin popularized in the 1990s, which is basically the cover 2, except the middle linebacker drops into cover 3 to defend the deep ball when he reads a pass play. Noel had an open-door policy for college coaches because he knew it was important to maintain those relationships so he could better evaluate college talent. Saban took advantage and learned about the complexities of the cover 2 as it was all the rage along with the elements of the future Tampa 2. Pearls would later hire Saban to be defensive coordinator at Michigan State in 1983, where Saban coached until 1987. This was also where Saban developed the other part of what makes him elite, understanding offenses while being a defensive guru. Typically, gurus specialize on one side of the ball and hire coordinators to run the other. Josh Heupel is the head coach of Tennessee, but he's an offensive coordinator and he hires a defensive coordinator to run that side of the ball and lets him do his thing. Saban understood both and was even known to rip up offensive game plans the Thursday before a game and change them himself if needed. At Pittsburgh, while learning defensive schemes, he spent time with Tom Moore, the Steelers wide receivers coach and future offensive coordinator. 
Moore is credited with developing the no-huddle offense behind Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame career during his time in Indianapolis. He's a brilliant offensive mind. Then Saban took a job in the early 1980s at the Naval Academy, where he met Belichick while coaching under Belichick's father, Steve Belichick, and they all coached under head coach Gary Trinkle. This was a desperation job for Saban, as he had been fired at Ohio State following the 1981 season after two years as defensive backs coach there. OSU head coach Earl Bruce fired his entire defensive staff to scapegoat them for his own refusal to recruit more defensive backs to counter the growing passing attack of the Big Ten in the 1980s. The new job at Navy was a godsend for Saban. He had already worked under Tranquil, who was WVU's defensive coordinator in 1979. A year later, after Saban left, Tranquil moved over to offensive coordinator. When Tranquil took over at Navy, he had spent half a decade coaching offense and the other half coaching defense, so he had a deep understanding of seeing the field from both sides. Understanding both sides of the ball was also a part of Saban's reputation for his incredible attention to detail in all aspects of football. And that attention to detail leads to the second part of what made him a great head coach. Organizational skills. Saban was always known as an elite recruiter, an incredible talent evaluator, and a guy who prepared for everything. This isn't as hard to break down as his on-field coaching skills. It's actually pretty simple. Once again, it comes from playing and coaching under Don James at Kent State. It was under James where Saban developed his ability to evaluate talent and game plan. James was known to be meticulous in everything he did, which is why he won a national title at Washington in the 90s. Saban, really, just took what he learned from James and carried it with him throughout his career, from his checklist to evaluating recruits to his insistence on scripting every part of a game all week. Saban is also great at in-game adjustments, though. We're talking about a guy who switched quarterbacks in the middle of a national title game. That was probably helped by his tenure as defensive backs coach with the Houston Oilers in 1988 and 1989 under Jerry Glanville, who is the exact opposite of James. He didn't script game plans at all and was all about reacting on the fly. Other coaches are organized, gurus, detail-oriented, and able to make in-game adjustments, though. Nobody would accuse Jim Harbaugh or Kirby Smart of not being those things, and nobody would ignore Dabo Sweeney or Pete Carroll as elite CEOs. So why does Saban stand out over all of them? You can say recruiting, as Saban is clearly the most successful recruiter in history. But other coaches recruit really well too, and success in recruiting has way more to do with the quality of the program a coach is at, and the coach's reputation as a winner. The coach himself just has to have a base level of determination to recruit. If it was such a unique skill, you wouldn't have so many coaches who were hired for their recruiting abilities get fired pretty quickly. There was one final factor that Saban added, particularly when he took over at Alabama from an organizational standpoint, that allowed him to reach unprecedented levels of success. And it's the fact that he was ahead of the curve in hiring off-field analysts. Technically, college football teams are limited to 10 on-field assistant coaches, but Saban found a huge loophole to that by hiring just as many analysts in off-field roles to help with game planning and recruiting. This stems from his two years with the Miami Dolphins in the mid-2000s, when as head coach, he learned about all the analyst positions available to a team. Understanding this before anybody else did was a huge part of his successful early run at Alabama when he won three national championships in four years from 2009 to 2012. If he ever watched an Alabama game during that time, he typically had twice as many analysts or coaches on the sidelines as any other team. 
hiring analysts like this is also a big reason he was able to adapt to the changing landscape of college football, such as when he brought in Lane Kiffin in 2014 as OC, and together they changed to a more up-tempo offense to adapt to the times. But by the time Saban was at Alabama, he was already a household name and a high-profile recruiter. That came from being at schools with the right infrastructure, which leads to a third factor. Timing. Part of this is Saban's intelligence and knowing which jobs to pick, and the other part is luck. He blew up because he picked the right schools at the perfect time. To be fair, Saban's success at Toledo and even at Michigan State solely had to do with his skills as a coach and an organizer. Those can keep you going. In fact, he did not take the Michigan State job at the right time. He took over in 1995 for a fired Pearls who left the program on probation. Meanwhile, the Big Ten was at its toughest maybe ever. Michigan and Ohio State were rolling as programs at that point. Penn State had just recently joined and was still at its height under Joe Paterno, going undefeated in 1994. And Northwestern was having a rare elite run under Gary Barnett, sharing the Big Ten title in 1995 and 1996 before Michigan won the national title in 97. This competition, combined with the probation, resulted in Saban going 6-5-1, 6-6, and 7-5 his first three years there. But, given what he inherited, any average coach, or maybe even above average coach, would have won just three games a year there. The timing was right in the sense that he was given a ton of leeway by the athletic department who understood what he was facing. He maybe could have been on the hot seat after going just 6-6 six six his fourth year in 1998, but a huge upset win over number one Ohio State, the only game OSU lost all year that season, kept him safe. It finally all came together the next year as he beat Notre Dame, Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State en route to a 9-2 season, which elevated his profile to take the LSU job. Now, here's where timing really came into play. LSU had gone 4-7 and 3-8 and and the previous two years under Jerry DiNardo, and the program was a waste for most of the 90s, suffering six straight losing seasons from 1989 to 1994. Outside of a couple of years in the 1980s, it was a decent top 20 program before that for years, but hadn't been a championship caliber program since the 1950s. Saban himself regretted the move initially. His whole staff at MSU refused to go with him, and he didn't like Baton Rouge, wanting to leave within two days. But here's what everybody missed. Louisiana is a top six state in the nation in terms of NFL talent, and LSU is the only major program in the state. So its in-state talent to competition ratio is better than any school in the nation. The level of talent is what convinced him to stay. It was a sleeping giant of a program, and in fact, it may be the easiest program to win at. We're talking about a school where Les Miles and Ed Orgeron won national championships. But if that's the case, why was it so bad before Saban? Well, two really bad coaches in Mike Archer and Curly Hallman were a problem in the late 80s and early 90s, but mostly a complete lack of investment by the university, including the worst facilities in the SEC and no academic support, made it an extremely unattractive school. That all changed in 1999, just as Saban was hired at LSU. Mark Emmert took over as chancellor, and whatever you think of his character or his tenure as NCAA president, he finally made the investments to turn LSU into a competent program. This was a time when many SEC schools were finally getting their facilities up to snuff, to be fair, thanks to the money coming in from the league's deal with CBS. Then there was just the state of the SEC. 
The SEC West was garbage at this moment. Alabama was going on probation and on the precipice of a 3-8 season under Mike DeBose. It was so bad that Mississippi State won the division in 1998 despite an 8-5 record. The East, specifically Florida and Tennessee, were easily the class of the league. Because of that, the timing lined up perfectly for Saban. He turned LSU around to go 8-4 his first year because of his elite coaching, part of which included his understanding of staff members to hire, like Jimbo Fisher and Will Muschamp. Again, organizational skills. Despite a 2-2 start and a loss to UAB at home, which would have put him on the hot seat, a huge upset went over Tennessee the next week after a quarterback switch got the program rolling. That turnaround, combined with the story of the new facilities, was enough to sell recruits. Saban just kept the in-state talent for 2001 to secure the number one recruiting class. Historically, those guys went elsewhere, not even looking at LSU. But Saban was changing that, thanks to all the help he had from the staff at the school. He continued to overachieve with what he had on the field, too, and won the SEC in 2001 thanks to another huge upset against number 2-ranked Tennessee after he lost his starting quarterback and starting running back in the game. Again, in-game adjustments. That was enough to set the stage for another number 1-ranked recruiting class in 2003, and again, it was all due to him just keeping the talent in-state. And during that season, Saban had two number 1 classes. It was enough. He was able to lead LSU to a 13-1 season and a BCS national title. While Saban was already a great coach, the exterior narrative, without the context, made him look even better. He took over a bad LSU program that had been irrelevant for 15 years, turned it around, and won a national title within four years. It was enough to immediately raise his profile as arguably the best coach in the country. Quite honestly, it's at this point that Saban would have had the run he had at Alabama if he had picked any other school of that caliber at that time. His credibility and coaching abilities were off the charts. That's what led to his NFL job two years later, and it's also why Alabama opened the checkbook to hire him two years after that. Again, with Alabama, it came down to timing. The Tide, once a storied program, had fallen off the map and were coming off a 6-7 and seven season in 2006. However, Saban took over from Mike Shula just a year after Alabama's probation and scholarship limits from the Logan Young scandal had fully ended. Alabama, when at full potential, may not be the LSU job, but it's a top 5-10 to 10 job when it comes to recruiting talent in the area. And Saban was a national championship coach with instant credibility heading there. You almost never see a coach with his profile and his respect take over at a program as high caliber as Alabama. The only comparable situation is Urban Meyer at Ohio State, but Meyer had a bad reputation after leaving Florida with so many discipline issues, and Meyer wasn't seen as a guy who really resurrected Florida. He was seen as a guy who inherited the talent there and just had the right scheme to win it all with them. Remember, Ron Zook did leave him three top five recruiting classes. And, to be fair, it's not like Meyer wasn't successful at Ohio State. He went 83-9 with three Big Ten titles and a national title. Anyway, Saban's reputation was just in a different class when he took over at Alabama. It also helped that Tennessee, Auburn, and Florida State were fading as programs under longtime head coaches, so Saban had a clear field to get talent from the Florida Panhandle, in Georgia, and of course in the state of Alabama. That allowed him to secure number one classes in 2008 and 2009, and after his national title in 2009, the rest was history. Saban consistently made smart hires with coaches like Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. He always adapted, and he never lost his recruiting edge at a school where it's easy to recruit already. 
And again, the extra analyst gave him a huge advantage. His success at Alabama speaks for itself. A career of picking the right minds to become a coaching genius, making sure to run his program the right way off the field, and taking the right jobs at the right time is what propelled Saban into a legend. Guys, thanks for watching this video. Once again, please hit that like and subscribe button. Turn your notifications on. Ring the bell. Leave a comment. Tell me what you think. I want to be able to do more videos like this, but it really depends on the feedback I get from you guys. Also, don't forget to tune in to our weekday podcast every Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. With Caleb Calhoun, this has been a production of Off the Hook Sports History. You know what they say. Oh, that was you know great. What saying, that just, was just great. I well, couldn't get my microphone up there for a minute. There we <laughs> you go. Play it again. Yeah, I'll play it again. <laughs> play it again. May, it was getting it. too hot in here. That's like the movie. Play it again, Sam. <laughs> it was getting too hot in here, Jeff. That was very, there was very detailed. It was very detailed, and uh, you know, it, it it really explained a lot. And Sean, what did you think? Because I mean, you you followed these well, things year in year out that they were talking well, about. If if you were in a coaching clinic, it would be good. But I think for fans, as yeah. a tribute, I've heard better. But but if I were going to, like, I would play this for like young up and coming coaches for stuff like that. I think. But I would. But it's like a, a tribute. I think the presentation. Yeah, I mean, but but for coaching, I mean, like I said, I. What did I you would think of the back? Did, you, did you think that they got the uh, right interpretation of all yeah, the back? Go ahead, yeah, Bernie. he got the facts right. He got the facts right. Well, okay. Yeah. I would play it for people who were suffering from insomnia. Um, <laughs> yeah. It would, uh, yeah. Goes right off, you know. It's like watching golf on TV. <laughs> it was a presentation, not great, greatest presentation, but like I said, I mean, he got the facts, but for you, you could have a better you know, play for the coaches. Let, let them they sleep through those coaches seminars anyway. Believe me, I I was raised in a coaching family. I know how they are. <laughs> I know that they do. Just loved it. And your dad probably brought home videotapes of football games to watch them and analyze them too, right? No, he never brought his work home. They did that in the. They did that all in the office and in the coach. You know, in the coach's office. Whatever. He never. He didn't do that at home. Oh, okay. they, they all had to watch it together. No, he never brought it home. But, but I sat through coaches' meetings when I was in the locker room there with them. And those are interesting, let's just say. You never know what you're going to hear. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Probably language is a little colorful, too. Uh, slightly. Slightly. Slightly is uh, just an understatement, I think, Sean. <laughs> at yeah. times, when you've had when you've had twenty drunk coaches in your living room, that's an experience. <laughs> well, now that we've woke everybody back up, now hopefully. Yeah. Are you ready for KGB, Jeff? And, and Bernie, you listen to this because it's happened to me when when listen to how Jim had to handle a contest when they did them live, not pre-taped. Well, we're going to hear is this your okay. KGB wake you up time. This week in my classic check segment, we're going to remember a radio announcer who passed away while we were on vacation. His name is Jim Carson, and on November 9th, 1968, he was working at KGB AM in San Diego, California. Listen to how this boss radio announcer handles things on a Saturday morning in San Diego, California, on this edition of All Things Radio Live. 
Peggy and Jojo. I got my bucket full of berries, babe. Uh, number 30 song on the current Boss 30 with Jim Carson at 1049 from KGB. USD brings the Chambers Brothers to the Sportuator Friday night, November 15. Sports Arena and all Highlander stores and Metro Ticket Agencies. 136 KGP, get bound. Hit bound south, TJ and the Shondells on a Jim Carson Million Dollar Weekend, 1052 KGB Life in Time. This Sunday, it's the Professional Dragster Association Race of Champions at Carl's Bad Raceway. The eight quickest and fastest double-A fuel dragsters in the world race for $6,000. Heading the list of champions is three-time national champion, Big Daddy, Don Garlitz. Don Garlitz from Tampa, Florida, races Chris Caramosini's The Lazy Greek from Chicago in the first round of racing. Other first-round pairings are Jerry Root, King of the Northwest, racing Tom the Snake Cordome and Carol Shelby's Super Snake. Tom the Mongoose McEwen, racing the Potent Creeps Greer and Donovan car from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Vivian Mulligan, holder of the official NHRA record at 229 miles an hour, comes to the starting line with the Ridge Route Towers, Warren Colburn and Miller. These championship dragsters will all race three rounds in a special round-robin elimination. Carl's Bad Raceway is seven miles east of the Coast Freeway on Palomar Airport Road. Don't miss this special appearance of Big Daddy, Don Garnett's championship drag racing explodes off the Carlsbad Raceway starting line this Sunday at 2 p.m. Be there. Free discount coupons in Sunday's Union Tribune sports section. Boss Radio, 136 KGP. Where you call the plays on the boss line, 297-8700. And Juan and Johnny, I'm coming to the Call him. Give him a buzz. I know. I know for a fact he, he could use a good buzz today at noon. Spanky. Sunday morning. On Sunday morning from earlier this year, Spanky and her gang with Jim Carson. Groovy record. 10.56 at KGB. Good morning. Way for England's sensational pop star Cliff Richard in the film drama of a young man's selfish drive to be somebody. Get in my way. You're a fraud, Jamie Hopkins, a stupid. Every time you open your mouth, you sound like you're standing on a soapbox. To a penny is a decidedly different story of love. Can it be true? London along the mod beat. Take it up, baby. Twist that shout. See England's top stars Cliff Richard, Dora Bryan, Avril Angers, Anne Holloway. 
Don't miss Two a Penny. See Two a Penny, starring Anne Holloway and Cliff Richards, opening November 13th at San Diego's College, Claremont, and Vogue Theaters. For ticket info, call 286-9533. Listen carefully. This laughter is worth $1,700 to you. <laughs> Correctly identify all three mystery laughers, and KGB's laughing jackpot is yours. Here's another clue. Politics can be ruled out. Number one moves fast about. Repeating, politics can be ruled out. Number one moves fast about. If there's no winner today, Boss Radio adds another $100 tomorrow morning. Be listening for another clue and another chance at the $1,700 KGB Laugh-In Jackpot. 136 KGB. And the hits just keep on coming. KGB San Diego. 1101 on the Jim Carson Show. That's a big number nine on the Boss 30. Judy Collins, both sides. Now, Jim Carson at 11.04. KGB lap in time. And Juana Johnny upcoming in less than one hour from now. A dollar still buys more than 14 servings of Campbell's chicken noodles. Chicken rich and crowded with noodles. Less than seven cents a bowl and mmm, good. If you think a dollar isn't what it should be, spend it on Campbell's soup. The Creedence Clearwater Revival. Appearing in San Diego this Saturday night. Creedence Clearwater. Menagerie and Lights by Thomas Edison at the Community Concourse. Advance tickets are now on sale at the North Park box office. Along the way to Creedence Clearwater. Oh, Susie Q. Straight from the city this Saturday at the Community Concourse. Don't forget, that's tonight. Tickets available at the door. Boss Radio, 136 KGP. Promising another clue at any moment to bring you closer to that $1,700 KGB Laugh-In jackpot. And reminding you, all the KGB Laugh-In clues given so far will be reviewed tomorrow, babe. From a couple of months ago, Steppenwolf, you know I was born to be wild, and you know, babe, I got my motor running. I got my mojo working, too. It's 11.08 at KGB. This is Jim Carson ringing my Taco Bell now. Listen. la, 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 Hi, this is Bob Barker from Truth or Consequences. It's always fun, always a fiesta at Taco Bell. The happy haciendas from coast to coast where the light of the fire pit says Bienvenidos, a warm welcome to all. Tacos and burritos, tostadas and frijoles and our happy hacienda. Taco Bell. Taco Bell, you enjoy the finest Mexican food and save money, too. Always fresh, always delicious. For a special treat, drive to Taco Bell today. Taco Bell. Hey, Lunas, 
to visit your friendly Taco Bell today. There's one at 7345 La Jolla Boulevard, La Jolla. 136 KGP, get found. Mind bender, baby. Temps. Referred to as in hipper circles everywhere. Short for the temptation. A million miles from reality, babe. Cloud nine. Uh, a lot of things going on there, man. Too many for me to keep up with in one listening. It's 11-12, KGB Laugh-In Time, and this is Jim Carson. Looking for a new and exciting place to go this weekend that doesn't cost a lot of money? Well, look no further. The San Diego Family Karting Center in Mission Valley is for you. Go-karting at its finest on a banked curve Grand Prix-style track. At price, you can drive 14 laps for only $1. The karting center has something brand new for you gals. Now, Wednesday night is ladies' night, and all gals ride for half price. So come on out to the San Diego Family Karting Center, right in front of Charger Stadium in Mission Valley. Go karting tonight. Sunny and warm, the high 80 with Buana later on this afternoon. Downtown currently 72, El Cajon 68 in the South Bay 77, and the La Mesa Rec Department will be registering boys for its Youth Basketball League November 23rd at the Helix High Gym. The league is open to all boys in the 4th through ninth grade. Call 469-4128 extension 33. 136 KGP Large number three song on the current Boss 30, Classics 4, the Stormy Song with Jim Carson, 1116 now at KGB. USD brings the Chambers Brothers to the Sportsweight of Friday night, November 15. In their only fall season appearance in San Diego. The Chambers Brothers playing center stage at the San Diego Sports Arena. Friday, November 15, the Chambers Brothers. And that's not all. Special guest, Canned Heat, Sports Arena, November 15. Tickets now on sale at the Sports Arena and all Highlander stores and Metro Ticket Agencies. Tonight at 6 o'clock, Captain Nightcrawler Bobby O. And Stereo City, three big locations. Terry's Craig, the quality name in Stereo Units. Craig Ford 8-track, the Craig Ford 8-track dual unit. Home units, complete with speakers, plus the great cassettes. Just a few of the fabulous Craig line, all available now at Stereo City. Stereo City, with the largest tape selection in the county, offers a special this month for the purchase of two, four, or eight-track stereo tapes. You receive $1 off each tape. Save $1 on each tape for the purchase of two or more. Now at Stereo City on Midway Drive in El Cajon, El Cajon Boulevard, and Broadway on the H, Broadway and H, Chula Vista. 136 KGB yesterday. 1962, the year. The Chirral, first of a double golden. The baby... I don't quite know how to bust this to you all at one time, so I'll break it to you gently. It's you. It's not the way you smile. Come on home. 136 KGP. Double Golden. That's B.J. Thomas, the Triumphs, 1960 and 60 year. I'm so lonesome, I could cry. This is Jim Carson. It's a million-dollar weekend. It's 1122 KGB Laugh-In Time. Poor baby. Who's baby? Pray for Rosemary's baby. Paramount Pictures presents Mia Farrow in the William Castle production, Rosemary's Baby, co-starring John Cassavetes and directed by Roman Polanski. 
suggested for mature audiences. What? You haven't seen Rosemary's Baby yet? It's playing now at two theaters, the Fox Theater downtown and the Pacific Drive-In, and uh, that's in Pacific Beach. Boss Radio, Hello? 136 KGB. Ah, uh, yes, the KGB Laugh-In jackpot is up to $1,700. The boss line is hanging wide open. I'll take the ninth call, 297-8700. Magic Lantern, Shane, Shane, Jim Carson, 1126 at KGB. Got a play on the line from the Isle of Coronado. About to have a shot at 1,700 big ones. This Sunday, it's the Professional Dragster Association Race of Champions at Carlsbad Raceway. The eight quickest and fastest double-A fuel dragsters in the world race for $6,000. Heading the list of champions is three-time national champion, Big Daddy, Don Garlitz. Don Garlitz from Tampa, Florida, races Chris Caramassini's The Crazy Greek from Chicago in the first round of racing. Other first round pairings are Cherry Ruth, King of the Northwest, racing Tom the Snake Cordome and Carol Shelby, Super Snake. Tom the Mongoose McEwen, racing the Potent Creeks Greer and Donovan car from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Vivian Mulligan, holder of the official NHRA record at 229 miles an hour, comes to the starting line with the Ridge Route Terrors, Warren Colburn and Miller. These championship dragsters will all race three rounds in a special round-robin elimination. Carlsbad Raceway is seven miles east of the coast Freeway on Panamar Airport Road. Don't miss this special appearance of Big Daddy, Don Garnett's Championship Drag Racing explodes off the Carlsbad Raceway starting line this Sunday at 2 p.m. Be there. Free discount coupons in Sunday's Union Tribune sports section. This is the sound of KGB's $100 a day laugh-in. <laughs> Boss Radio's Laugh-In Jackpot is now at $1,700 in cash. To win it all, Scott March of Coronado, tell me who are the three mystery lappers. Scott? Yes? Tell me who you think the three mystery lappers are. Let's see. We're waiting on you now, man. Give it your best shot. Um, Pick na- three names, any name. Any name? Any names. I'm laughing. Right. Okay. Oh, I'll give you a hint, Scott. They're not regulars on the laugh-in. They aren't. Okay. John Wayne. That's one. Two more, Scott. Real quick, man. Come on. Nixon. Uh, guess again. Okay. Scott? Yes. One more name. You got John John Wayne and uh, Nixon, right? Sammy David. Uh, Scott, I'm sorry, that's not correct. I'll send you a Rowan and Martin Laughing album. Stand by another chance next hour with Buona Johnny for one thousand seven hundred dollars. One thirty-six KGB. Uh, remember, if there's no winner today, Boss Radio has another one hundred dollars to the Laughing Jackpot. Stand by for another clue. Sometimes Ladies and gentlemen, the beat goes on. KGP, San Diego. 11.31 on a Jim Carson Million Dollar Weekend. I've been trying to get to you for a long time. Well, there you go. Jim Carson is heard on radio station KGB AM in San Diego, California on November 9th, 1968. And I really admire how Jim Carson handled that contest call, which didn't quite go as expected. Now, if you have any comments concerning this part of the program, one of them you know about it by email or voicemail. For All Things Radio Live, I'm Jeff Bennett. Thank you very much, Jeff.
Oh, no problem. And you know, who was the morning guy? He, The morning guy always did the long shift on Saturdays. They're 6 to 9, Monday through Friday, oh, and 6 yeah. to noon on Saturday. Bernie, have you had That's a contest true. that went bad like that when you were doing contests? Very very definitely, yes, I really have. And it's uh, very <laughs> frustrating. The, the consolation to me, though, is most of mine were pre-recorded. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you, you play a little bit of it, but you just know that it's not going well. And so... Yeah, and that guy sounded stoned. Really, that, that <laughs> I don't know. Crazy. Yeah, he didn't even. I don't well, think he even knew what he was uh, calling. No, I didn't think he did. I you know, don't they think gave I, I did, definitely didn't know what the contest was about. He probably didn't even know what he didn't no. even know what laughing was. <laughs> Maybe which was, not. Which I mean, how could you not know about Judy Carnes and uh, suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me, and all that? Too busy dropping acid. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, it was uh, sixty-eight in Southern California. Well, yes, exactly. And Jim Carson had a very, very long career working as the midday personality at K Earth One Hundred and One in uh, in Los Angeles, California, as well. And if you like to do the background stuff, uh, there's a guy named Dick Lyons who has a, a YouTube channel, and he had uh, before his death he did a maverick, a great job on an hour long interview of Jim Carson talking about his radio history from uh, the beginning to end. So. I thought the most interesting commercial was he Bob was Barker good. doing uh, Taco Bell. That was something, huh? From th- Tooth or but, Consequences still at that time. And, and I know in New York State, now maybe maybe in Massachusetts it was different. We didn't have any Taco Bells in 1968 no. out, up, out, no. out, out here uh, on the East Coast. But, yes. No, we didn't. Uh, and I like that Taco Bell jingle. Of course, the bell part is still being used today in, in, in their commercials. But now, of course, they're, they're yeah. totally different. They have the tacos and a lot of but they even have breakfast now. So... Um, mm-hmm. And I got some email from Uber you telling me I can call it that. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't. I saw on your view are one opinionated dude tonight. I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's move on here. Next, uh, yeah. Bernie. I don't know. Do you like any of the alternative music? I mean, like if I said uh, the Fray, oh, absolutely, or oh, the Red yeah. Hot Chili Peppers, or maybe um, yeah, one of the reasons. One of the reasons I like that stuff is because you don't hear it much. That's it. That's it. Some things you hear so much that you get tired of it. Well, this time you're going to hear something that, you know, I listened to, and I was with my, my cleaning lady came over today. She was doing my apartment, and I had First Wave on, which is the new wave stuff from the 1980s. And uh, because yeah. I was, that was very big in New York on the station on Long Island, WLIR-FM in Garden City, New York. And she said, well, what do you think of, uh, do you have any other channels that you like? And so I, I was using my Sonos and said, well, why don't you listen to Channel 6, which is Pop Rocks. And she says, she says, you know, Jeff, you're 71 years old and you like this all this kind of music and you like the music of the 2000s and all kinds of music from different generations and jazz. And I said, I like everything. My, my dad brought me up like that. He liked everything as well. So I, I kind of... How old, how old was your, clean, how old is your cleaning My person? cleaning lady is, uh, let's see, I'm 71. She just turned, she just turned 50. Okay, so she probably liked the '90s and 2000s. That probably worked for her. Yeah, yeah. and she and she likes the Howard Stern channel, and <laughs> and uh, I know a lot of people don't like it. But if you listen to him do interviews, I'm not talking about the old Howard Stern of, of the past, but his the Howard Stern of today. He does a fantastic, fantastic interview with Bruce Springsteen and a he really does. fantastic one with Barbara Streisand. Very good interviews. So I'll turn it over to you, Bill. Yep. You mean it's time to wrap it up again, Jeff, and thank everybody for coming, and thank you, panel. Thanks for all you do, and we'll close it out with Jeff's feature on Pop Rock. Pop Rocks, yes. I don't think you'd catch me listening to this one too much, but hey. No, No, I don't think you would. 
But uh, that's okay. But Sean, you might like it. Everybody might like yeah, it. Yeah, from the 90s and stuff, yeah, maybe. But hey, if you want something totally different, something that we do, what feature in the early 60s and some stuff that Bernie would say yuck, yuck, yuck on, tomorrow at 4 o'clock Eastern, right, Chris? Yeah, we're featuring 1956, so that'll really scare Bernie away. Oh, that would away. scare me, Whoa. too. <laughs> that would scare me away. <laughs> But we pledged to do it, and we're going to do it tomorrow, 4 o'clock. So you guys have a good one, and check this out. The Jeff slaved over this one. And here you go. Thank you. This week in my featured station segment, we're traveling to the world of Sirius XM Satellite Radio, and we're going to listen to Pop Rocks. Pop Rocks is a channel that features alternative rock music from the 1990s and 2000s. However, it's very familiar. If you're familiar with music from the Goo Goo Dolls, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Green Day, Alanis Morissette, and so much more, then you'll know this music. The radio announcer you're going to hear is Karen Carson, who also works at radio station WNEW-FM in New York City. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy Pop Rocks from Sirius XM Satellite Radio on this Tradition of All Things Radio Live. And you know, you can hear members of Fall Out Boy, guest DJ, yeah, with the brand new, all new Sirius XM app. You can get closer to your favorite artists and personalities from really everything we do, which is music, talk, sports, comedy, and beyond. And uh, yeah, Fall Out Boy, members of the band had guest DJ moments where they shared songs and stories behind them. All you have to do is search it up on the Sirius XM app. Immerse yourself in what you love now uh, and get closer to everything that moves you wherever you are. The Sirius XM app because we go... Energy, emotion, and introspection of alternative music in the 2000s on one channel. Alt 2K is Linkin Park to Lord and everything in between. Alt 2K. Listen now at channel 313 on most radios and in the Sirius XM app. Nineties and two thousands on Pop Rocks. Happy Thursday, the eleventh of January already. Can you believe it? It's Karen Carson, and uh, if you haven't guessed by now, I really love football. So I'm really pumped about this weekend. I want to actually have viewing parties, listening parties, both days, Saturday and Sunday. But I will tell you, if you can't watch, 
you can listen on Sirius XM NFL Radio. That's Channel 88. And then when the Cleveland Browns take on the Houston Texans at 4.30 p.m. East Saturday, you can listen to Channel 226 for Cleveland fans, 225 for Houston fans. And always, you can search up your team on the Sirius XM app. Goo Goo Dolls are on Pop Rocks. Green Day. On Sirius XM's Pop Rocks. Resurfacing Pop Rock songs from the 90s and 2000s that are too good to be forgotten about. Sirius XM Pop Rocks Repopped. Going back to 1995 for you too. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me from Batman Forever. And geez, let's think about this. 1995, Batman was Val Kilmer. Jim Carrey was the Riddler. Tommy Lee Jones was in that. Nicole Kidman, Drew Barrymore. Uh, yeah, it was a good one. So uh, happy to resurface that for you here on Pop Rocks. I'm Karen and Marcy Playground is here. Hanging around. Yeah, mama, this must be my dream. It's been a really long time since we've uh, chatted with KT Tunstall, and I can't even tell you what year it was, uh, but I had an interview with her, and you know, a lot of times people come in the studio, KT's um, publicist or manager or record label rep, and I have a few people from my end, production and things like that, and it was uh, after a performance for everybody, and then we went into the room, and there was like six or seven people in there with us, and she's like, hey, could everybody just leave? Uh, except Karen, because we, we were going to have a conversation. And I was like, wow, she just took all the pressure off. Like, I can do interviews, and people are there all the time. I don't think about it. But she was, and it was just the best conversation. Um, so I'll never forget that story from KT Tunstall. It's Karen and Wallflowers now on Pop Rocks. Where's 
songs from the 2000s like that pop into songs from the 90s like this. Ah, it's a lot of fun to be playing uh, so much great music and repopping a song this hour from Vampire Weekend. I know you're going to love. And uh, Hootie's waiting for us. Oasis 2. It's OMC. Every time I look around, it's in my face. Top Rock from the 90s. Pop Rocks on Sirius XM. Good morning. It's John Mayer. I have a brand new channel on Sirius XM. Channel 14 is called Life with John Mayer. And if you were to tune into my channel right now, you would be listening to music that was meant to pump you up and energize you on your way into whatever it is you're doing today. And you can hear it right now, Life with John Mayer on Channel 14. Well, there you go. Pop Rocks is heard on Sirius XM. And you can find it on Sirius XM Channel 6 and on the Sirius XM app. Now, if you have any comments concerning this part of the program, one of them you know about it by email or voicemail. The email address here is Jeff. That's J-E-F-F Jeff at allthingsradio.net. Or you can call that feedback line at 800-693-0595. That's 800-693-0595. Hitting option two for the podcast team. For All Things Radio Live, I'm Jeff Bennett. This concludes another All Things Radio Live. Join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern for the latest radio news, interviews, caller questions and comments, station scopes, and more. Visit the show's official website at www.allthingsradio.net and visit the Legend website at legendoldies.com. Join us again next week for another All Things Radio Live on the Worldwide Legend.